Welcome back to the Infinite Energy Podcast. Today, we are talking about the energy of heart. Oh, I am so excited to cozy up to this subject, the energy of heart, what it means for us emotionally, spiritually, physically, and more. Stay tuned. This is going to be a heartful episode. Hi, we're sisters Kay and Shai, and we're the hosts of the Infinite Energy Podcast. We believe that everyone has the power to live a more energized, optimistic, and fulfilling life. In every episode, we share tips and techniques for harnessing your own power and creating the life you deserve. Get ready to ignite and discover the limitless power of Infinite Infinite Energy. The heart, a primary organ inside our bodies, but also an emotional and spiritual center. Today on the Infinite Energy Podcast with Kay and Shai, we're unpacking all things the energy of heart. I'm so excited that we get to talk about this subject, sis, with our family because the energy of heart really is from that space that I think most of us associate when it with that idea of family, of love, right? The, the symbol of love is the heart, right? We love to make our heart in any kind of different way, the Gen Z way. My daughter always does it that way, right? We've got the K-pop way, every different way. <laughs> the heart is showing it's about love, it's about connection, and that's that energy that we're talking about today. But the heart of course, starts in us physically. Okay, so get this, because we were extremely shocked to learn this piece of information. Your heart pumps 2,000 gallons of blood per day through your body, not per week, not per year, not per, like per day, 2,000 gallons of blood. Like I can't even fathom 2,000 gallons of water or like, what what does that even look like? Are there even 2,000 gallons of blood in your body? No, that's how incredible your heart is. Right, because it is just pumping away in there. And what an incredible uh, machine it is for us. Kay and I often do a visualization exercise in which we focus our energies around the heart And thanking that physical organ of the heart, because here's the beautiful thing about it. As long as it beats, you live. Like that's at at the crux of life. That heart is right there cradling your existence with every single pump of those 2,000 gallons of blood every single day. So what a phenomenal thing. And I think what a beautiful metaphor it is for us too, to see that our lives are meant to move, to process, to flow, and to ever be in that motion and that harmony and that symphony of life. Well, we think about the physical organ of the heart doing its pumping inside. Now it pumps blood out and it brings blood in in order to oxygenate it and pump it back up again. Now that in-out motion, as Shyla just alluded to, is very similar to what we see all over nature, that in-out push-pull of the tides, the in-out recession of the seasons. And so we see this beautiful mirror of what our heart functions as inside our body all over nature, including the very core of our planet. Your heart creates electromagnetic energy that pulses out throughout your body. And the core of this very earth does the same exact thing. It generates and creates electromagnetic energy that then pulses out throughout the entire earth. And so we have a center right inside our being that as above, so below, we see reflected throughout all of nature. The rest 
repetition of that in out movement that we see reflected everywhere in nature, including in that beautiful organ of ours that as long as it beats, we live is also known as a rhythm. And that's one of the beautiful things to see all of these rhythms of life and the rhythm that beats inside of you. And you and uh, we love the way Michael Singer, the author of The Untethered Soul, our number one most recommended book, talks about the function of the heart for us it, the, to be that symphony of our lives, right? Its job is to, to build the background music and, and be the orchestra of your life, which means sometimes when you're going through tragic grief that it's it's playing a tragic, beautiful song and it's deep and it's and it's emotional and that's human. And we honor that because in a movie, right, when we the, the score is the thing that brings the emotion alive for us. And so the heart serving that purpose for us as well is that rhythm. And think about the way your heart feels when you're joyful and you're happy. It's right. It's one of burst out of your chest. Sometimes you're so happy with that rhythm, just like in a happy song uh, that's going fast paced and makes you want to dance. So that physical aspect of our heart is just such a, I think, constant companion in all of our lives. It's good to take a minute and recognize it. I'm glad, Shai, that you brought forward the physical emotional connection that comes with the heart. Your heart has physical responses, the organ itself, to your emotions, which is one of the reasons you feel it, again, quicken, uh, maybe when you are excited or nervous about something, or maybe it relaxes when you're slowing things down. Your heart rate accelerates and decreases based upon your emotional states on the inside or the level of physical activity that you're bringing to your body. But I want to just take a second to think about this emotional side of things because the heart is also an energy center. In addition to the heart being a physical organ inside your body, it's also a place where we feel emotions. It's the reason that we have the phrase, there's a broken heart, right? If you've ever been brokenhearted or had hurt in your heart before, you know, then it literally feels like pain inside your chest. Like, ow, it does not feel good. Some people say he died of a broken heart. That's how bad it was. And some people legitimately do. They will hurt so bad inside that they'll maybe even manifest a heart attack, right? These sorts of things. And so the emotional center that happens, that pools around this physical organ, it's pretty universal to most of us humans. Right, that we're gonna feel emotions right there in that center of our hearts. And for those of us who who look at the energetic level of things, know that that heart chakra right there is called such because the heart is so important. It has its own energetic center within our lives. And it is where those emotions live for most of us, right? Well, when you feel it, when you think about the times where you've been brokenhearted or grief stricken in your life, you'll tend to rub your chest, right? Like you'll feel that feeling. Also think about, right, that flip side, like if you've ever fallen in love right? Whether or not that love is still lasting to this day, we have all been in the beginning stages of a relationship that is like, it's the most exciting thing ever, right? You can't eat, you can't sleep, your heart is singing and on fire and you're flying through life. Or (laughs) Kay and I had that same experience after we went to our first Tony Robbins conference together, right? We came out just singing, our hearts were on fire and alive. So there's that that feeling, that emotional center that happens right there in our chest. And, you know, before we get too far off of the physical aspect of it, I don't know about uh, all of you, but I know the people around me who have one of these, a smartwatch, is also obsessed with watching your heart rate. Super obsessed with watching the heart rate. <laughs> right, like raise your hand if you're obsessed with watching your heart rate, your resting rate, your rate during your workouts, your rate down your when oxygen you're cool. percentages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
right? So we, we know intrinsically that it's important because we like to obsessively measure it and look at it for ourselves. And again, as long as it beats, we live. And so it makes sense that not only physically it's necessary for us, but emotionally it's that centerpiece as well. Now let's move into that third dynamic when it comes to kind of considering what the heart brings forward and into our lives. We've got the physical, we've got the emotional response. Now let's talk about this being really a spiritual center. And I want to, I, I almost want to say that this, the heart works in conjunction with the mind and the gut to be this spiritual center, but many beliefs, religions, and spiritual practices out there believe that the heart is really almost that seed of the soul, the place where the true you sits. We often hear in tales uh, or children's stories that we want to listen to our hearts or follow our hearts. And what, what is being implied there is a deeper level of intuition, maybe the you that knows a little bit better than the you trying to run the show upstairs, if you will, in your brain. Uh, um, and be able to bring something that's a more authentic expression of who you are. What I love about the idea of the heart being the seat of the soul is that you've heard the expression, the in my heart of hearts. And that's the expression that most closely gets to the essence of that soul living inside of your heart. That doesn't mean that your emotional whims are your spirit and deepest soul and highest self talking. That's not what your soul residing in your heart means. But the heart of hearts, the center of the heart, that essence of energy, of love, of spirit, that's what that means when we talk about that heart being the place for spiritual access, for spiritual growth, and that place where your soul really truly does reside, that heart of hearts, not the emotional whims, which we all feel, but that heart of hearts, that spirit right in the center. So we've got this physical element, we've got this emotional element, we've got this spiritual element when we're considering the heart. Now, when we have a triad like this for one topic, we have some supercharged powers that can come out of something like this, a gift inside our human potential, where our mind, our bodies, and our spirits can meet in order to create some really beautiful things for us. So next up, we're gonna talk about some of the energies that your heart brings forth forward in your life and how you can use them to influence your outcomes for what you desire. Do you find yourself losing control of your scroll on social media? If you do, then you want to stay tuned to join the Simply Social Club with Kay and I. We've got an awesome challenge for you where you have the opportunity to detox from social media for 48 hours, seven days, 14, or even 31 days right along Shyla and I. So go to kandshy.com slash simply social and find out a little bit more. And hopefully you'll take a pledge alongside us. We'll see you in 2023. See you in the club. We're talking leadership this week, and one of the organizations we are so proud to be at the helm of is the Neuroencoding Institute. We got to co-found the Neuroencoding Institute alongside Dr. Joseph McClendon III, amazing, world-renowned neuropsychologist and incredible mentor and teacher. If you're at all interested in learning more about what the Neuroencoding Institute does and what it can do for you, please visit neuroencoding.com. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash angel phoenix productions.
coming up next, we want to talk about one of the energetic signatures of heart that is often associated with this word. And this is that idea of courage and strength, right? You have a lot of heart. It takes a lot of heart to be in the game, to be in the ring. That that kid's got heart, right? The player's got heart. So we want to talk about it from this courage aspect and even share with you some of the interesting um, historical perspectives that have shown that the heart has always had this central fixture piece for our species in a way that we uh, related to this idea of courage and strength. Now, you're likely familiar with one of the most popular examples of all time in regards to the heart and courage. And it is that of the great tale of the Wizard of Oz, where Dorothy and her three lovable friends, the Scarecrow, the Lion, and the Tin Man go on an adventure to each find something that they need. The Scarecrow wants a brain, the Lion needs courage, and the Tin Man wants a heart. Now, as they are all on their journey, of course, they discover that these true powers are really within them all along. But talking about how the heart can lend us courage just makes me think of that lion saying, I need courage. 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 (laughs) He's looking for that courage, right? But it really came down to the heart to complete the journey and the willingness to be afraid in the process. Right. And that's where that courage grows from inside of the heart he had all along. And the Tin Man realizes that he too has the heart because he's been demonstrating the courage. And so there's that pop culture example. I found this one really interesting as well. In ancient Egyptian mythology, the heart was believed to be the seat of the soul and the center of emotion, right? So this idea dates back a long time. They believe that the heart would be weighed against a feather during the judgment of the dead and a heavy heart indicated a life filled with sin. Therefore, having a light heart was seen as a sign of moral courage and strength. To this day, we still use the phrase lighthearted. So we can see that for thousands of years, we've been talking about the virtue of having a light heart and using our heart for courage and strength. You know, uh, the ancient Egyptians aren't the only ones in history who really had a lot to say about the heart and what it could do. In Native American symbolism, we often see the heart representing courage and the ability to face challenges with determination. And so we we see ancient cultures bringing this forward, even in Chinese medicine. The heart is considered one of the most important organs, and it is associated with the emotion of joy and is seen as the source of courage and bravery. And so all over the world, even prior to ancient cultures being connected, right, via the internet and via uh, international travel, we see that, that humans are coming across this idea that courage and determination gets cultivated in this emotional and energetic center. And so it, this is it's just so beautiful because it's so natural. They wouldn't have come to it if it wasn't. Well, what I love about this idea of courage coming from the heart is that it means courage, being brave, stepping up comes from the place of vulnerability, right? That strength comes from a place of uh, uh, almost weakness, although not quite. And, And I think that the prevalence of the word heart in our current vernacular also demonstrates this idea that the the heart being involved in our decision making and our ability to do those things to have courage and step up uh, is is demonstrated in those kinds of phrases, right? Take heart. It's heartfelt. And we talked about lighthearted, heartening, right? So we we use this uh, um, often as a word to describe things when we're talking about things that are courage or that are deep or meaningful or that essence and truth uh, vibe. I'm so glad, Shai, that you brought forward the idea that vulnerability and courage are really 
almost two sides of the same coin, or at least they are two flowers in the same field, I'd like to think. Uh, But there's this idea that we've been throwing around a lot lately, came across it in a book, and I want to share it with you all here. And it's the idea that when we strum a guitar string, or just any string in general, if I were to put it out, and if I were to pluck that string, there would be one side of the string that would be vibrating really heavily at the impact of the pluck. And there would be other sides of the string, depending on where you plucked the string, that would have lower forms of that vibration, right? We're going to have very high vibration where the point of impact is. We're going to have lower vibration where the points of impact aren't. But the point is, is that all of those vibrations are still happening on the same exact string. And so when we try to say, I have to be courageous without being vulnerable, or I'm going to be brave without trying to do some digging in inner work or, or something of that nature, right? If we, if we don't do that balance work, we can lose sight of the fact that we're really just strumming the same string. And we've got to acknowledge that both sides are present. And being able to do that only helps us strengthen our position, which is what we so often mean, right? That when somebody plays with heart, we're thinking about they're putting it all out on the line. Isn't that what vulnerability is all about, right? We're, we're putting it out there on the line. We're not holding anything back. There's nothing being protected because everything's in the ring, in the present moment, and on the line. And that's that. That's what it's what it is to be alive, right? And and then when our hearts are most open like that, when we're most brave and we're most courageous, we're acting on behalf of our greatest good, our highest selves, our highest potential. And it often means that we're going to get punched a couple of times (laughs) because you're out there trying new things and you're advocating for new ideas and you're maybe articulating in ways that aren't quite hitting the mark for you, but you're trying and but you're getting feedback from that and that can hurt. And so lots of times what happens is we show our heart, we be brave, we be courageous and we get hurt and we don't understand that's supposed to happen. And so we go, I'm not supposed to do that. And we close off that heart and we end up living kind of that half-life where we're never truly brave enough to be all that we can be. You know, my daughter is five years old and right now she is struggling with reconciling over the fact that being a human means pain, that being a human means you got to work stuff and you got to like do things you don't want to do. And she says, you know, my word families at school are hard and, and this is hard and I only want to do things that are fun, right? Of course she's five. So we understand where this is coming from. But what's amazing to be in this position as a parent is to hear the unfiltered thoughts of the human mind happening as they happen and to understand that if you are the five-year-old that goes out and says, everything is hard and no one ever helps your heart learn how to deal with that and say, yeah, it is hard, but we're going to work on strengthening your heart, that that might create some really negative patterns for somebody down the line. And so hearing her articulate this now, mommy, it's hard. Mommy, it's difficult. I I have to pay attention. And that, that can be hard for me. Like I get that girl. Life is difficult. And so teaching our children at this young age to lean into their hearts and to find that courage to face the difficult things in life no matter what. Because oftentimes as adults, we find ourselves having to backtrack and be brave in the face of the onslaught, even if we don't necessarily feel energetically equipped to do so. I like to imagine the heart as our, my little companion mm. in there, right? And it's just pumping away. It's 2,000 gallons a day. Oh, Lord. <laughs> 
It's a lot, it's right? A lot. It's a, that is just, it is pro- it's just, it's I, I honestly want to know how much, but I'm, I'm look that up. <laughs> well, while you do, I'll, I'll just say, you know, that, that a, I'm so grateful for my heart, but I also am so grateful that you shared that about Violet, because for lots of us, you know, we learn those lessons, those lessons about our heart in the opposite way where we want to close off early. Um, and so having to fill in those blanks for ourselves um, helps us be prepared in the future to be better equipped to handle things. We've all met adults who filled in that blank for themselves when they were a kid and maybe didn't have the benefit of having parents like we did or parents like Kay or the kind of parent I hope to be that encourages kids to to, to be friends with their heart and to understand its role in your life and to be open and vulnerable with it. Uh, Then they, they never grew out of that protection mode. And so they're always guarded and they're always pushing away and they're always having that um, um, heart protection at all costs. And and for many, that security value is so important that they're never willing to truly love. They're only willing to have friendships and relationships at a surface level. So we can see how these things might manifest over time if we're not careful and intentional from the beginning. But don't worry if maybe you're already down the path and you're hearing some things like, wait, I have some room to work on strengthening my heart. That is a okay. You still have time to do that. I mean, my goodness, this sucker. Okay, so a 2000 gallon plastic water storage tank. All right, let's hear it. Is seven and a half feet wide. Okay. And seven and a half plus three inches tall. Okay. So we're talking about like probably the size of like our whole chair situation here. And then also that height. That's the amount of blood that's being pumped through your heart every single day. Like, so Dang just, heart. I mean, the very bare minimum, we hope at the out of this episode, you're getting some gratitude because wow, that's amazing. Thanks, right? And some inspiration because if your little organ in there can do that and as long as it beats you live, then make those beats worth it, right? We've got 2,000 gallons to make worth and count towards something every single day. Let's talk in, a, in the next segment a little bit more about our heart and how we can cultivate that stronger hearts as we like to hear a quote from Brene Brown, that open heart and strong back mentality. One of our proudest business accomplishments is what we've been able to do with Squeeze In Franchising. The Squeeze In is a breakfast lunch restaurant featuring the best omelets on the planet, and it's been around for almost 50 years. And now you can have a Squeeze In in your community. We've seen how this business transformed our families, and now we are so excited to offer this to families around the country to see how this little restaurant might change their family and their community. If you're wondering how to set up your adult children for legacy and success through a small business, then the Squeeze In is an option we urge you to consider. Come find out more about Squeeze In franchising at squeezein.com. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash angel phoenix productions. Okay, real talk. Our producer just told us that it's one, these 2,000 gallons is one tenth of a full size swimming pool. So every 10 days, your heart pumps a swimming pool's worth of blood. Ew, but thank you.
Yay. I did not know how to feel about that information, but conflicting. Now we have it. But in honor of that great, great work Woo. that keeps us alive. Thank you, Heart. A swimming pool every 10 days. So let's make it count and let's make it worth it. Like some of the following examples have done, when we think about people who we would describe have heart, certain names come to mind that have been, uh, I think, christened in history as folks with heart. The names like Anne Frank, Joan of Arc, um, Martin Luther King Jr., to name a few. These are the kind of people that really did put it all out on the line and had to have those strong backs even when their hearts were open because they got punched a lot. Now, these historical and current examples are to help you understand that there are people out there who cultivate this. But I want to zoom in, Shai, on a very specific historical instance where we recently got to learn a lot about of some individuals who had extreme amounts of heart. Now, Shyla and I had the pleasure recently of traveling to uh, Valley Forge, which is the birthplace of the American Revolutionary Army. It was an incredible experience. For those of you who know, we are what is referred to as Hamill heads. <laughs> we love Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, the musical, uh, Hamilton, all things American Revolution, Mr. George Washington and, uh, and above. And Valley Forge was the very first winter encampment for the American Revolutionary Army. In this winter encampment, they took 12,000 troops uh, and volunteers, volunteer troops and 400 women, and they made provisions that were not enough for everyone work. But what was amazing about what happened is they didn't have enough food, they didn't have enough materials, and they didn't have enough funding. And so often we think of this as kind of the embattled soldier, right, who was just starving and, and dying and withering away at Valley Forge. But the truth about Valley Forge is that this is where the American spirit was born. This is where our military formed. Those conditions were, some would have buckled, the, the likes of of Washington and his aides de camp, which included Hamilton, organized and orchestrated uh, uh, an amazing effort of logistics that deployed the men into building huts, training, learning about things so that they could survive, that they could work together as a unit. And they came out of that encampment, an organized military unit that was able to obviously go on and win the Revolutionary War. And the everyone says that Valley Forge is the birthplace of the U.S. military. Now, say what you will about where it is now, but it has accomplished amazing things, especially in that very beginning. And Washington and his aides de camp was like a group of 12 people running a 12,000 purse, 12,400 person camp and getting those kinds of results. Talk about heart. I mean, 12,400 volunteers. Again, these are not people who are being paid to be there. This is not conscription into a military that's going to give you land as a result of fighting in the thing. Like you are fighting for an ideal. That's what they were doing. They were fighting for an ideal, the idea that we could maybe be in a different type of nation than what they had known before. And so 12,400, I mean, can you imagine the heart that it took? I mean, they're eating their horses. They didn't have food. They're eating their horses. They they were dying of disease left and right. People dying every single day. It is cold as all kids. I mean, have y'all spent a northeastern winter? Like, no, thank you. <laughs> Rucksacks on your feet, like conditions. They didn't were have not clothes. Good. Yeah, clothing, I think, was one of their biggest things. They they're like, we have food, but we don't have clothing. Right. So they were having to makeshift clothing, learn these skills. Like, don't yeah, don't let my picture painting of the victory that came out of it at all take away 
away from the fact that conditions were bad and they were harsh. And I think that's what makes it so remarkable and what makes it such an underscore of how much heart it took, not on behalf of just those leaders, but on behalf of everyone who was there. And so I know I get inspired when I hear stories like that. And and history has so many of them. And what's beautiful is that there's nothing extraordinary about those folks because we're all equipped with a heart, which means we're all equipped with the ability to use it to its best and most ability. I'm so happy that you said that, Shai, because we can hear names, I think, like Nelson Mandela or Malala Yousafzai or, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and Frank. We, we, we hear these amazing historical names and, and we think, well, yeah, of course they did it. And oftentimes we forget that, you know, for every George Washington, for every Alexander Hamilton, for every 12 people in charge, there's 12,000 of them volunteering that all have that heart. And so it's not the 1% that are special. The heart of individuals that come together that stand up to say, yes, we are choosing courage in the face of adversity. That's when we start to see remarkable things happen. And not only remarkable, but world-changing things. The American Revolutionary Army changed the world forever. And and they did it because of the heart that they displayed uh, all throughout the journey, but most especially at Valley Forge. There's one thing in common with every single person that we've shared about. And, you know, there's other examples that we've got listed here, which include the Boston Red Sox in 2004, Magic Johnson, right there. There's lots of stories of heart. All of them include extraordinarily difficult circumstances being faced, right? Because there's not an opportunity to demonstrate extraordinary courage and heart if there isn't extraordinary challenge and obstacle in the way. And so knowing that when we get faced with something that's hard, that that we are already gifted with the level of heart that's needed to address that level of hard, eat but that doesn't negate how hard it's going to be, right? And that it might hurt to step up to that challenge and do the right thing or do the best thing or do the the forward thing on behalf of the ideal, right? That's what amazes me about the 12,400 folks is that it was an ideal and idea, not even proven anywhere yet. Um, and so for them to have that level of heart meant that they were facing circumstances that often looked insurmountable. And for many of the folks that we've listed did end up ha- at making them sacrifice their lives for the cause that their heart was in. So how do we cultivate heart? How do we build heart so that when the hard times come, the heart can lead us through to victory? Now, one of the things that can help you cultivate heart is to take time to meditate. Give yourself the opportunity of quiet breathing, even if it's just once per week, even if it's just for five minutes a day, even if it's just sometimes I like to go through the car wash and I'll sit quietly in the car and I'll like just kind of meditate to the sounds of the car being washed around me, imagining that it's cleansing my energy and my spirit. It can be something as simple as this, but meditation can help you to just be quiet enough to start to hear the whispers of your heart. Even if you can only hear the whispers of your heart when you're being quiet, getting good at listening for them means that you'll be better at identifying them when they come for you in your regular life. Well, Kay, you just gave one of the tips that I love that goes so well with the next idea for building heart, which is the practice of gratitude. And the idea that you shared was when you go through the car wash, you have this meditative moment. And what Kay is demonstrating is tying a practice that's good for you to something that you do regularly so that you can easily practice both uh, practice something that you've been wanting to practice while 
while you have already you have something that's already in your schedule. So gratitude is one of those things that is excellent for building your heart muscle, strengthening your ability to see positive and creative solutions. And it's scientifically proven in all kinds of different ways to help you and not just build your courage and strength, but to help you build your, your mental ability and so much more. So what are some of your activities that you can tie to gratitude? I'll tell you a couple of mine. I love to in the shower have a one minute where I think about things that I'm grateful for. You know, again, that smartwatch is always on you. So, okay, I'm going to look at it. Okay. It says it's 621 right now. I'm going to take my one minute and I'm going to be grateful for things because I'm in the shower and that's the habit, right? Or maybe uh, Kay knows I've had a game going for a decade plus now that when I hang things up, I think of something gratitude uh, that I'm grateful for. So every time I'm hanging something on a hanger, I'm saying something that I'm grateful for. So what are some of the things that you can tie to your daily habits that you can practice gratitude? It'll help you have courage and strength and it'll help you have a more positive outlook on life. Our final tip for building that heart muscle of yours is to practice compassion. Do your best to find ways to have compassion and care for maybe other people or even just your environment or your animals. Things as simple as petting your dog or feeding your plants can give you a little bit of a rush of oxytocin, dopamine, and some of those juicy good brain chemicals that can ultimately help you to develop and strengthen compassion in your life. And the habit of compassion is a heart strengthener that allows you to seek more compassion when you're out and about and ultimately live a more heart-filled existence. We hope you've enjoyed this episode today on the Infinite Energy Podcast with Kay and Shai, where we covered all things on the energy of heart. You know this episode comes at you with all of the love from your sisters, Kay and Shai. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.